believers in this place today. Amen. The spirit of life. And what a day to be a believer and the church of Jesus Christ to see the prayers, the sacrifices, the petitions, the time of repenting for 50 years to see the overturn of Roe v. Wade this week. Amen. 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 Praise God. A couple things I want to mention with that. Let's just be clear. This decision put back into the hand of the states the right to make the decision. There will be many states, as there already have been, who will declare abortion a crime. But there will be some states who will not. And so our work is not finished yet of praying. Amen? I would also say, for those who have made that choice, there is forgiveness, there is redemption, and there is healing. Amen? Amen. I know this because the Bible tells me this, but I also know this because there are women here in this church who have at one point in their life made that choice and have found the forgiveness and cleansing of the blood of Jesus over their decisions. Amen? And that continues to be our, our message. It is a sin to take another's life in that way. And there is forgiveness for all those who cry out to God in repentance of that sin. Amen? So what a day uh, to be a believer in, in this time. To see evil seemingly rising so heavily, so strongly. And to see God confirm his word that says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. That is what is happening. Um, almost a year ago, our staff met for our planning for 2022. And out of that time of prayer and discussion, that verse has been behind the scenes what we have held to and rallied behind. Lord, may we lift up the standard of the gospel here in this place and beyond this place because that's what he has promised and that's what he's commanded that when the enemy rises that the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him, and that's what is happening today. So uh, I'm grateful. We come to the end of our pursuit series today. Uh, it's been our prayer as a staff as well that we would see God move the needle in our own hearts as a people to stand into the reality of who we are as the church and pursue those things that are lost and not just count them as, well, nothing we can do about it, no, we have the call of God upon us as believers and as the church, and we want to we stand up into the boldness of that. So I hope over these past two months, you have been moved in your heart to make your home the place where the kingdom of God is a reality, your, your marriage the place where the kingdom of God is a reality, your life and your your places of influence would be the place where the kingdom of God is a reality, and you are pursuing those and that which was lost the reality of the kingdom here on earth. Amen. We've tried to do that in some interesting ways here. We've had our uh, treasure hunt over the past uh, 
uh, the month, I guess the first month of our series. We, had, we hid treasures in four places over four weeks, and we gave out some Bible verse clues, and many of you went and found the treasure and logged in and entered your name at the end of the service today. We'll have the drawing for those who made that choice, and we'll see who wins some prizes today. So that'll be fun. We'll do that at the end of the service today. I want to go ahead and give you a, uh, a look ahead at what happens next week because we'll be in a brand new series next week. And you know, it's, it's always fascinating to me. I spend time in prayer. Our staff spends time in prayer about what he has next for us. So weeks, months back, we had this kind of outlay of what we believed he wanted us to do. So check out the next series that's coming up. We are going to learn as a church how to pray boldly to tear down some strongholds, to see God answer some things that we have thought would be impossible. I'll just tell you ahead of time, there is a place for the church and us as believers to be repentant. I recognize 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, if we confess our, no, I'm sorry. Uh, if my people who are called by my name will, uh, will humble me, humble me, man, I'm getting all, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land, forgive their sins and heal their land, right? There's a place for repentant prayer. But look, we've done that. We have repented. I'm not gonna keep repenting for sins I've already repented of. I don't do that in my personal life. I don't expect us as a church to do that and I don't expect us as a nation to do that. It is time to move to the next level of prayer. We've confessed our sins. We've repented of our sins. Now we're going to start tearing down some strongholds because there are some spiritual strongholds that have been in our land today. Amen? This is where we're headed in this next series, Pray Bold. I want all of us to up our game in understanding what it means to pray boldly for the things that God has promised us and put in our hearts. Amen? That's next week. But today we move into our last message in our series. We've been on this journey, as I've mentioned, and uh, to move the needle of our, our, our pursuit, our passion, standing up into who we are as the church. And the pursuit doesn't just end after you've had one look. Those that went out and found the treasures each week, uh, sometimes I heard stories where they said, hey, we got out of the car and we instantly knew where the treasure was, found it right away. Others, they had to search and search. They had to phone a friend for a clue, and then they searched and they searched, and they finally found the treasure often. I think everybody that searched at least found it. That's the way it is. Pursuit requires persistence. So today, our message as we close our series is called this. I will not give up the pursuit. Turn your Bibles today to Luke 15, verses 8 through 10. These three verses here is where we're going to hang out today. Jesus is uh, telling some parables, some stories. And he tells three of them about some things that were lost. He tells a story about some lost sheep. He'll go on and tell the story about a lost son. But we're going to talk about the story that's in between those two stories. The story of a woman who lost a coin. It says in Luke 15, verse 8, this is Jesus speaking. He says, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, 
and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This story is rich in detail of what it means for us to not give up in the pursuit. I want us to take a look at it here just a little bit at a time. So let's start in verse eight. Jesus says, what woman having 10 silver coins? Now, if you're like me, um, we all tend to read the Bible based on our experiences. So, you know, we probably read it and think of, okay, what, she had 10 nickels, 10 dimes, 10 quarters. Maybe she had 10 half dollars. If anybody even has any of those around anymore kind of thing, right? 10 silver coins. We think of a stack of dimes or something like that. That's us reading it with our American eyes. That's really not the story that's happening here. This woman had 10 silver coins. Silver coins, um, in the original language, was uh, drachma. It was a, a coin that was small. It's a coin that um, had a hole in the middle of it. You and I are not used to coins having a hole in the middle of it. These were. And the value of the coin itself wasn't worth that much. To have 10 of them was really maybe to have maybe a dollar or so's worth of value. It's not really a whole lot that she has, but she has 10 of them. And she's gonna lose one of them in the story. And that's what's uh, fascinating, is that she had 10. Why 10? Well, you see, the custom of the day for a young Jewish woman was that when she became engaged, the young man would give her 10 silver coins. And then he would go and prepare a place for them to live. And these 10 coins were intended to be a reminder to her of his great love for her, his promises to her, and she was to keep them as almost a down payment on the day that he would come back. And she would keep them and she would treasure them and she would guard them and she would keep them clean. She would keep them polished because these 10 coins represented the bridegroom, represented the one who loved her. And they were in a sense promises. I'm gonna come back for you. I love you deeply. I've gone to prepare a place for you. And these 10 coins represent just the beginning of all that's ahead and all that I want to do in our life together. So she would take these 10 coins and she would often turn them into a, a necklace and they would become something that she would wear and she would keep. Now, the story here for this woman is that these 10 coins something has happened to them. Somewhere along the way, she lost one coin, but they represented so much to her. Their value wasn't in the fact of their earthly value. Their value was in, they represented the bridegroom. 
they represented him. They represented the great love that he had for her. And this woman, she treasured her gift. Said that she having, she had 10 coins. They were hers. She owned her gift. These were hers. She treasured them. She valued them. She didn't dismiss them. She didn't put it away somewhere and think, eh, we'll see. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. No, it was a young woman's delight to hold on to the ten coins, to take them out and look at them on the days that she felt apart, to remember each one of them as a promise from him, to remember each one of them as a dream from him, to think of each one of them as a future that awaited them, promises, dream, vision. She held on to these. They were valuable to her. She owned them. He didn't give them to someone else. He gave them to her. We might think of an engagement ring here in our day. These 10 coins represented that to her. Do you know that the Bible says that Jesus is our bridegroom? Amen? We are like the bride. And he has promised himself to us. And he has gone away to prepare a place for us. There's coming a day when he will return and he will come back for us, his bride. Until then, he has made to us very great and precious promises that have been passed down to us in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Spirit and given to us in the word of God. And he intends for us to possess them, own them, live in them, look forward to all that's ahead, but live in the reality today as though I belong to him and all that he has is mine and all that he has planned will come to pass. You and I aren't called to live in wondering, is he going to come back? Will he come back? I don't know if he's coming back. Will he take me? That would be a terrible way for this young woman to live, and it's a terrible way for the church to live today in uncertainty as to whether or not the Savior is going to return. I don't know when he's going to return. The Bible says that Jesus doesn't even know the day he's going to return, but the truth is he will return for his bride. Amen? And he has given us great and exceeding and precious promises until that day. And we should hold on to those. Every promise written in God's word to his people is for you if you put your faith in him. Not for just the person down the row, not for just the pastor or leader at the church, for you, for every one of us. And we're meant to hold on to those, to possess those. When he says, my peace I live, leave with you, that means you were intended to live with his peace within you today. Not dismissing it, not thinking you couldn't have it, looking in other places for it, but holding onto the promise that he has given us peace with God through his own death and resurrection. There are treasures that are ours. There are coins that are ours. There are promises that are given to us that you and I are meant to hold on to, meant to possess, and meant to live in. He's even putting dreams in your heart that are from him. Amen? 
He's put dreams in your heart for your own life. Things that you haven't seen come to pass yet. Prayers that have yet to be answered. Promises that you're still holding to because you haven't seen the reality of it yet. He's put dreams in your heart for your marriage. Nobody in this room whose marriage says, yeah, my marriage is done and we're perfect, we're great. Good. There's so much more that God has for you. Don't ever think you've arrived or don't ever think that it can't be possible to see God work in your marriage. Hold on to those promises for days to come. Heather and I are 30 plus in and still are believing for some things to happen in the future for us. But God's also given you dreams in your family. There are loved ones that you're still praying for. There's relationships you're still praying about. There's things that have gone on that you're still waiting to see resolve to and reconciliation and a bigger answer to. God intended for us to hold on to those, to possess those, and not dismiss them because we haven't seen them yet. Possess your promises. They've come from a father. They've come from a loved one. They've come from the bridegroom. This woman owned her gift. She possessed it. But the Bible says that something happened. The Bible tells us that she lost a coin. It says, what woman having 10 coins, if she loses one coin? Now, this is the heartbreaking part of the story. It's not that she just lost a dime. It's not that she just lost a nickel or a quarter. She lost a part of a promise. She lost a part of a dream. She lost a part of the one who had given her this treasure and it was missing. She lost it. She couldn't find it. What she had hoped for, longed for, held to, possessed, believed in, looked forward to, all of a sudden, one day, for some reason, somehow, it got off of the string and she lost it. She could not find it anywhere. It's a heartbreaking day. It's a sad day. When one of the things, one of the promises, one of the treasures... One of the things that you believe God for all of a sudden ends up missing. When the thing that you have believed, held to, waited on, suddenly, for some unknown reason, maybe a very known reason, ends up being lost. The dream you had all of a sudden, events have changed, people changed, and you start to think, I don't think it's ever gonna come to pass. All of a sudden, that hope you had, you wonder, I don't know if it could ever come to pass. I don't know if I could ever find what has been lost. Some people lose their peace. Some people lose their passion. Some people lose their purpose. Some people lose a relationship. Some people lose the dream for a marriage that they thought. A child, there's heartbreak, and there's loss. And you think, now what do I do? 
And the enemy loves that moment. Because in that moment, you start to hear what he has to say. Did God really give you that promise? Did God really give you that dream? Did God, did God, did God really? And that's all it takes for us to crater, to slink off into the corner, and to consider the one thing that was lost, forever lost. To think it will never, ever come back again. It is over. It's finished. I won't be able to know peace. I won't be able to know hope. I won't be able to know joy. It's sad for me when people, when any of us go through heartbreak or loss, but one of the things that's the saddest for me is when the things that God has absolutely promised us are lost in someone's life. When someone says, you know, I heard something from someone that told me I'm not really sure if I can have security of my salvation. That's heartbreaking for me. Because Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, but as I give. And Jesus promised that when we come to him, he will in no wise cast us out that we become part of who he is and no one can snatch us out of his hand. So it's heartbreaking and it's frustrating and it makes me really mad at the enemy when I hear someone fall for the deceptive lie that they can't have eternal security in their salvation. You were meant to live with that coin in your grasp. I believe, therefore I have life and no one can snatch that from me. It's heartbreaking when people go through loss. It's heartbreaking when people don't believe the promises and understand how deeply they're loved by God. And they assume he's left them. They assume he's turned against them. And they live lost. And they think it could never be found again. This woman, on the other hand, if she, or because she lost her coin, she did something. She turned her loss into an action. She did something in her grief. She didn't just slink over into the corner to forever stay in the darkness and in the depression and in the loss. No, she knew this came from her bridegroom and she held it as a promise and she was going to find it regardless. Whatever it took, she we go back and find. So our, our second point today is that she refused to live with less. This is a long point here. But it's an important point. She refused to live less than what he had promised. I'm not going to let that other coin sit out there unfound. I'm not going to live less because some event happened in my life and this one thing is gone. I'm not going to live less 
because this has happened, I will pursue that which is lost. I'll find it. I'll go after it because it's a promise and I'll hold to it. It's what I see happening in the church today. I see the church across America all of a sudden because the enemy has, has reared up its head, so much of the church is cowering back at his roar. But it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand back up into the lion of Judah that it has as its king and roar back at the enemy and silence him. Amen? This is what we will do. And this woman refused to live less than that. And she went into action. She decided she was going to do something because of all of this. The Bible says that first off what she did, it says if she loses a coin, here's what she does. Does she not light a lamp? She says, you know what? I lost a coin, but I'm going to get active here. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to light a lamp. I'm not going to let what has happened be the end of me because I have a way to find this that has been lost. I have been given light. And so she began the process of finding what was lost and she did so by lighting her lamp because darkness will hinder your vision. Darkness will keep you from seeing. Darkness will hinder your movement. And darkness will hide what is lost. But if you know that it's in the house and you know that you've got a light, then you'll get busy with that light looking for the promise that's been lost. Amen? You don't just count it lost. You search for it. And for this young woman, the darkness could not stop her. She wasn't going to let the darkness of the room stop her from living in the promise from her groom. I just came up with that. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> I didn't write that down in my notes, but I like it. Uh, <clears throat> so she lit a light. She got some oil. She got her light and she lit it. He said, now, now I can see. Now I can see clearly what's been lost. When you come up on a place in your life where there's been some loss, it's time to get back to the light. It's time to walk in the light. It's time to get back to some truth. It's time to get back to the church. It's time to get back with God's people. It's time to seek God in prayer and find some direction and light for your life and not live in the darkness. Amen? That's what it's time to do. And for this young woman, that's what she did. She said, I'm gonna do what it takes to find what's been lost. I'm gonna light a light and I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look in some dark places. I'm gonna look in some places where the darkness has overtaken. I'm gonna look under some stuff. I'm gonna look behind some stuff and I'm not gonna stumble around in the darkness anymore. You and I have promises that have been given to us as believers and as the church. And just because darkness is prevailing in our day for a time doesn't mean that we don't have promises that we will prevail in time. It just means that we need to light a lamp. It just means that we gotta do something about this. This is not time to assume, well, the lights have been turned off in the nation. The lights have been turned off for the church. It's time for us to just sit in the darkness. No, it's not. It's time to be what Jesus said we are, the light of the world. It's time to be that. It's not time to shrink from that anymore. And so, again, I would say to you, whether it's a dream for your life personally, whether it's a dream for your future, 
whether it's a dream for your career, whether it's a dream for a family member, a relationship, whatever it is, if it's a dream that God's put in your heart, if it's a promise he's given you in his word, light a light and go and pursue that which is lost. If he's put it in your heart, pursue it. You didn't just come up with it if it's a good thing. If you have a desire for reconciliation and relationship, that's from God, it's not from you. If you have a desire to stand in truth, that's from God, not from you. If you have a desire to serve God and make a difference for the kingdom, that's from God and not just from you. Pursue that thing. Chase that thing. Light a light and go after it. Don't assume because someone else blew out your light, you're done. It's time to seek him, confess, repent, and then pursue him. Don't let the enemy keep you from the treasure that's been promised to you. Don't let the enemy keep you from the dream he's put in your heart. Don't let the enemy keep you from what he has given you specifically for your life, your home, your family, and our church. Amen. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But you need a light. And she lit her light. The second thing the Bible says that she did is she, she swept her house. She got her light and she looked everywhere. But she also did something else. She, she got her broom out. Because sometimes the house gets dirty. Amen? Amen. Y'all's house not get dirty? (laughs) Sometimes it does. It often does. It always does. We should say that. And in their day, this young woman probably did not have a nice vinyl plank floor. She probably did not have a ceramic tile floor. She did not have some hardwood laminate. She didn't have any of that stuff. She didn't have a nice, polished, concrete home. She had a dirt floor. A dirt floor. Can you imagine sweeping a dirt floor? How do you get the dirt off of dirt? (laughs) But she was going to sweep. Because sometimes stuff gets lost in the dirt. You didn't intend for it. You didn't realize it. But some dirt accumulated Maybe it was in the corner. Maybe it was under a couch. Maybe it was under a table. Maybe it was under the bed. But some dirt accumulated. And when dirt accumulates, stuff can get lost in it. And this woman said, I got to clean some things up because that coin could very well be in the dirt. So I'm going to sweep. I'm going to clean some things up. I'm going to make some changes to this house. I can't let there be filth if I want to find the treasures and the promise that God had given me, that my groom had given me. Same is true for us. If you want to see some dreams and some visions that God's put in your heart come to pass, you want to see some promises of God come to pass in your life, you're going to have to get the broom out and clean some filth up out your life. You're going to have to repent of some sin. You're going to have to do away with some habits. You're going to have to get that broom after your mouth. You're going to have to get that broom after your habits. You're going to have to get that broom after your urges and your appetites. You're going to have to get that broom after your phone. You're going to have to get that broom after your computer. You're going to have to get that broom after your TV. You're going to have to get that broom out of your pantry. You're going to have to get that broom after your alcohol. You're not going to experience 
what God has given you if you got filth in your life. You have sin unconfessed. You have patterns that you're unwilling to yield. You have stuff going on that is hiding the promises and hiding the dreams. You want to be an influence for Christ in your world? Then you're going to have to look like he does when you go out in your world. You want to see your home look like Christ and have the spirit of Christ in it? Then you're going to have to clean some stuff out of it so that it looks like Christ. And this woman knew if she was going to find what was lost, she was going to have to clean her house up. It's part of what's necessary. If you want to see, or if we want to see change in our culture, the church has got to clean itself up and start holding some truths from God's word and stop playing half-hearted, wishy-washy doctrine. The church is going to have to clean some stuff up. If we want to see change in our community, we're going to have to clean our homes up. If we want to see change in our family, we're going to have to clean up our marriages. And if you want to clean up your marriage, it's going to start in you. You're going to have to get the broom after your life and confess some sin, seek the Lord, and start walking in truth. So this woman lit a light, swept her house, but the Bible also says that she began to search carefully. She didn't stop. She didn't just say, well, you know, I kind of looked around the room and I really, I just couldn't find anything. I don't know. I just, I didn't see anything. So just, you know, whatever. I just give up. No, this woman was relentless in her pursuit. And she continued, even though she couldn't initially find it. She said, I'm going to keep looking because it is here in my house. That's one of the things Heather and I say today. When the grandkids have been over and we're trying to put the toy room back together and, you know, there's always toys that have these hundred parts to them, ten parts to them, the stacking rings, the bouncing balls, whatever it is, and you start wondering and you start putting all back together and you think, oh, my word, where is that other piece? Where's that red ball that goes with the red, green, blue ball set? Where is it? I, don't, I, can't, I can't find it. And every time, one of us will say, well, it's here somewhere. Right? Have you ever said that before? And you lost something in your house, you say, it's here somewhere. And that is what keeps you pursuing it. Because you know, well, it's here somewhere. So you know that it's in the house, so you keep looking for it. Because you believe it's there. That is one of the greatest steps of faith you can ever take. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful truth. Because if I know the promise is true that God has given me in his word, and if I know that the things he's put in my heart are from him, then even though it might initially look like I don't have it, I'm gonna keep pursuing it because I can say, I know it's gonna be here somewhere. I'm gonna keep pursuing it. I'm going to keep looking for it. I'm going to keep chasing after it. I may not have the peace of God right now in my heart because of some things that have happened in my life, but I'm going to keep pursuing because I know it's here somewhere. Amen? We can even boldly say the church has been called to be the light of the world. It's not where we are right now, 
but I'm going to keep pursuing it because I know it's here somewhere because God's given me that promise. I'm going to keep pursuing it. For 50 years, that's what people did in search of the day that Roe v. Wade would be overturned. They kept believing, I know it's here somewhere. I know it's in the house. I know it's part of a promise. I know it's what God has called me to. And I'm not going to give up until it happens. I'm going to keep looking because I know it's here in the house somewhere. And that's what God's people have been called to. And this woman acted with that simple, profound truth. I know it's here in the house. She was relentless. It doesn't tell us about anybody else at home. I get the picture that maybe her husband was away. He really had, or her bridegroom was away, gone to prepare a place for them. And she is waiting anxiously for the day. And she's relentless. I've got to find the one missing coin. And the Bible tells us in the next part of the verse that she kept on until she finds it. She keeps at it until she finds it. She doesn't stop until she finds it. She stays at it. She doesn't give up. She goes back in. She keeps looking. She lights the light. She sweeps. She looks. She's diligent at it. She's persistent at it. Don't ever be ashamed for chasing and pursuing a dream that God has given you a promise that God has put in your heart. Don't ever be ashamed of it because you don't see it the first time you try it because it doesn't happen with the first prayer you pray because someone else looks at you oddly. You keep chasing it if God's put it in your heart. It's here in the house somewhere. Amen? Amen. Don't ever be ashamed of pursuing a promise that God's given you for peace in your heart, for joy in your life. Don't ever be ashamed of pursuing that. Don't ever be ashamed of pursuing hope. Don't ever be ashamed of pursuing intimacy with God, purpose in your life, passion for what he's gifted you in. Don't ever be ashamed of that. Hold on to those promises and pursue them. Don't ever be ashamed of pursuing restoration and reconciliation with a broken relationship. Never be ashamed of that pursuit. Never be ashamed of what God has put into your heart. Never be ashamed for pursuing revival in our land today. Don't ever be ashamed of that. Don't ever think, well, it hadn't happened since I've been a lot. Look, it's not based on time. It's based on a promise. You think of how many people over the last 50 years had a dream, lived it, and died, not yet having recognized that dream. And we stand today seeing prayers answered of people who gave their life for that. There's some dreams I'm holding to. As I mentioned earlier, there's some dreams that Heather and I are holding to for us, for our family. There's some dreams I'm holding to for this church. There's some things that I believe are out in our future that I'm still holding to and still believing God for. And some of them are not just from me. They're from pastors from the past. Wes Edwards, whose wife is sitting here with us today, Miss Carol Edwards, Wes Edwards, who pastored this church back in the 80s. He was the one who had the dream for this building. I've gone back and I've read some uh, 
newspaper articles from local newspapers about when they came up with the dream and they built this building. And Wes, the pastor, said, we're going to call this the Action Center. People back in the day were calling these family life centers. But Wes said, no, we're going to call this the Action Center. And there were some who called it the Wes Edwards Action Center because Wes said, this place is going to be active. It's going to be filled with ministry. There's going to be people here on Sundays. There's going to be people here on Tuesdays. There's going to be people here on Wednesdays. There's going to be people here doing all kinds of things. This is going to be an action center where the body of Christ and the ministry of Christ grows out from this place. It's an action center. I love all that. So there's some dreams that predate us. Wes went home to be with the Lord really just after we had merged here seven years ago. Right, Miss Carol? So I know we stand today on the shoulders of some men of faith. And there are those who predate Wes, who go all the way back to this church's earliest days, early 1900s, and people who prayed for a piece of property where a church would exist in Ovilla. And in some time to come, I'll tell you some of those stories and how much they bought the land for originally and some of the things that happened. It's just fascinating. But there are stories that even predate that. There's the story of Jesus who bled and died and rose again so that there might be something called the church. So that church might be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So that church might be the pillar and the ground of truth and that we might be in that church in this time, in this day. We stand in those promises and we hold to them with great tenacity and we stay in it until the day we see it happen, until we see the fulfillment of it, and we're going to be relentless at it. We're going to arrange our priorities toward it because this is what Jesus called us to, just as this woman. She kept until she found it, until she saw it become a reality. Now, I want to read the rest of the verses here as we finish this message up. It says, and when she found it, the story takes this dramatic, beautiful, exciting turn. When she found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, and they're saying, rejoice with me. I have found the peace which I lost. And then Jesus said, likewise, I say to you, there is joy in heaven or joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This, what we just heard this is the heart of heaven. Heaven rejoices. Jesus said in the presence of the angels, there's rejoicing that takes place. In the presence of the angels. That there's a gathering and the angels are gathered around the throne. And who else do we know from the Bible is gathered around the throne Saints who have gone before us, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And who else is in that circle around the throne? Jesus himself, the Father and the Spirit. And Jesus says, hey, I know because I've been there. In that place, in the presence of the angels, there is joy when a sinner repents. There's joy when one person changes and believes. 
you know, I always saw this verse and thought it was only talking about salvation. It is talking about that one person who finally their heart breaks and they cry out to God and God redeems their life. It's talking about that. Because of the tenses in the verb here, actually, when it says repent, it's in the present tense. And it's not talking about someone who just repented once. He's talking about someone who begins a lifestyle of repentance. And they keep changing. And they keep changing what they believe. And they keep changing their attitudes. And they keep changing their, their actions. And they keep changing in the process. And they're conformed to the image of Christ. And Jesus said, in heaven, every time someone repents and changes, there's joy there. There's a change in the atmosphere in that place, in heaven. Can you imagine? You know the atmosphere has got to be always filled with praise. You know that the atmosphere has got to always be joyful. But Jesus said there's something that takes it up a notch. There's something that actually causes the atmosphere of heaven to shift and get into overdrive. And it's every time Someone repents and changes. And then heaven gets lit. <laughs> Jesus said it, right? You tell me. And then when I hear Jesus say, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what is happening in heaven every time somebody repents? It's another worship service. Here we go. Caleb's kicking up another notch, and here we go. We're worshiping again, you know, that kind of thing. He says, that ought to be what it looks like here. That kind of celebration. So that we value and we possess the whole concept of change. So I would say to you today, in your pursuit of the kingdom come, are you willing to make some shifts, some changes in your own heart? Are you willing to repent of some ideas that you have believed, some things that you have held to? Are you willing to repent of some attitudes? Are you willing to repent of some actions? Are you willing to repent and shift the needle to become more like Christ? Because this is what he's called us to, amen? This is what lights up heaven and it ought to be what lights up our heart. God, change me and we'll celebrate it here on earth as it is in heaven. Would you bow your heads with me? I know in this room, God is speaking. I know that in the midst of so much today that is seemingly dark, seemingly lost, that God has put into your heart a desire for things to change. He's given you a vision. He's given you promises. He's given you a dream. And maybe you've given that up. Maybe you've lost it along the way because of what something else did or maybe because of your own choice. And today, he is speaking to your heart. He is calling you back to himself. And you're coming back to repent. You're coming back to let a light shine in your heart. You're coming back to take a broom to your heart in your house. You're coming back to search diligently for the thing that has been lost. And today, it's gonna all be different because the promise stands if we confess our sins. He is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in that now, we as the church 
can be the church. Let's pursue that which is, which is lost. Let's pursue the kingdom in our homes. Let's pursue the kingdom in our country. Let's pursue the kingdom in our hearts and be the church. Father, I thank you that you have spoken by your word today. You're calling us to deeper faith, deeper trust, deeper repentance, and a deeper love for who you are. And Father, I thank you that when we do that, you don't stand to scold us. You don't stand to shame us. You stand and celebrate with the angels of God that another sinner has repented. So God, we do repent today. We do seek you. And we worship as you do. As you are worshiped in heaven, we worship you here on earth. As you celebrate, we celebrate. And we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing today?